This is The Lonely Office, your playbook for navigating the messy line between work and life. Our topics are sourced from real, anonymous workplace conversations happening within Glassdoor communities, from how to not get fired to negotiating severance. We discuss timely work-life issues so you don't have to brave that professional world alone. We're going to start with three friends huddled around a small table at a hometown bar. They were high school friends, now at the brink of leaving for college. The door swings open, in walks Jerry. (laughs) Jerry was once a part of their friend circle. The three college-bound buddies felt a little pity. Mm. They liked Jerry, but let's just say their lives had moved in different directions. Instead of pursuing traditional college degrees, like the three of them, Jerry took a different route by going to a trade school to become an electrician. As each year passed, the three friends returned to the bar. Almost like a shadow from their past, the guys would always see Jerry. The three friends couldn't help but notice some subtle shifts. He went from struggling electrician to a man who exuded confidence. Rumors start floating (laughs) around the bar about Jerry's growing business. With the electrification of America happening and money pouring Uh. in from the government to fund the transition... Jerry now had a team of electricians working for him. Hit a big time. Meanwhile, the friends, they're grappling with the realities of an uncertain job market and the crushing weight of student debt. Yeah. After college graduation, they're huddled around the usual table. Their conversation had turned into a petty argument over who would pay the evening's tab. Oh, man. On cue, Jerry walks over. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just say the years have been kind to Jerry. Successful business, a beautiful home, a beautiful wife, investment properties. Unreal, the college graduates thought. He glances at the bill. He says to his old friends, the beers are on me tonight. (laughs) Jerry raises his glass before confidently walking away. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Elvis has left the building. What an exit. Isn't that a sweet revenge story? I mean, here's the thing. I know we're going to get into it. Part of me, I'm team Jerry because I like his risk. I like that he stayed true. But part of me totally empathizes, at least with the three guys at the bar. So I did not know about this electrification. I was like, wait, did America not have electricity before? But now I understand that we're talking about like plug-in solar panel systems. That's right. I agree with you. On the one hand, I was cheering on Jerry. It seems like the ultimate redemption story of sorts. But on the other hand, I feel it's very possible to resonate with his high school buddies. So just to kind of kick it off here, Jerry's story may seem like a simple redemption story, but his story resonates with generations of college grads going sour on a certain social promise that was sold to them in the career centers of their high schools years and sometimes (laughs) a decade ago. And that Mm -hmm. social promise was get a four-year college degree and you'll be set. You'll be set for life. Just like the high school friends in the story saddled with six-figure debt and in many cases jobs whose real wages barely beat out inflation growth, These same graduates are looking over their shoulders at friends who chose vocational schools or trade schools and kind of realize the four-year degree is not everything it was sold as. It's a bit like Revenge of the Blue Collar or maybe the come up of the trade worker. Many four-year college grads and white-collar knowledge workers are questioning the stigma typically associated with these jobs, whether it be electricians, plumbers, or even wind turbine operators. Jerry's story really hits on a psychology shift about the nature 
of trade jobs that is underway in America and which is underpinned by real changes in the economy. And we'll talk about some of those. Many of these changes are acting to the boon and benefit of the trade worker and towards the gradual decline of the knowledge worker, sad to say. So can I paint a really quick picture yeah. for you? You know, as I'm telling the story myself, I can see the colors of it. I can see the change from these three college grads, like bright-eyed, confident, maybe even a little cocky, right? right. And I can slowly, I, I'm laughing because you could slowly see by the end of the four years or whatever, almost like a dark cloud. They're checking their balances now as they're buying <laughs> yeah. food, they're fighting over the bill. And you know what's funny is like, I really recognize it. I realize it's because it was me. <laughs> Were we all told in high school, if you go to get a four-year college degree over the course of your career, you'll make a million dollars more? than you would have otherwise. That's I right. feel like that was a stat that was said a lot in yeah, my big school. selling point. Yeah, it was a big thing. Yeah. It seemed like the obvious choice. And, you know, Matt, for me, it kind of set the stage a little bit for a, a stigma going through high school. And you have this from counselors to teachers. It was just this assumption that, oh, trade school, or like, not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just the whole narrative changed a lot of people's perspectives on how they viewed those kinds of jobs. Whether it be Gen Xers or late millennials, I think those statistics were being fed to us in career centers, generally speaking, even through just popular media and culture, right? Yeah. This is probably not the best example of it, but for those of us who remember the Cosby years, the Bill Cosby shows, <laughs> he was trying to rationalize with Dr. Cosby yeah, why he didn't want to go to college and maybe he wanted to just do a trade job of sorts. Uh, I'm not sure what trade job was. And Dr. Cosby just didn't have any of it. A great episode you could probably listen to on, on YouTube. And so it was in pop culture. We were basically told you get the four-year college degree. Yeah. And to bring some data into this now, that perception is changing. Gallup poll, as of 2019, only half of U.S. adults now consider a college education very important. This was down from 70% in 2013, which resonates with what we're just saying. When we were going, doing the high school and going to college, yeah, like almost three-fourths of America was saying that college is very important. And now less than half of America, less than half of U.S. adults are saying that. That number has further declined now, they're saying in 2023, to four in 10 parents saying it's extremely important. So there's definitely kind of a, a reversion or inversion happening of sorts. And during that same time, mechanic and repair trade programs in particular saw an enrollment increase of almost 12% between 2021 and 2022. So you're also starting to see a return to trade jobs. And along with that, I think an elimination of some of that stigma. I know for me, the stigma was never a judgmental thing. One, I can't fix a light bulb, right? So I already knew. <laughs> Just like these three guys in the story, I can resonate with them because it was actually the right investment at the time. The sell job was that you would have a higher ceiling and more flexibility, and in fact, less debt over the long term with a college degree. Yeah. But there was a time, though, where the value proposition worked out, where you could go to college, you had some debt, but then you were able to go out into a fruitful job market in the early 90s where you couldn't help but get a job, wages were higher, and so it kind of made sense. But in Jerry's story and these three guys, a lot happened in that five to 12 years. I think people found themselves in that changing climate, where it's like, wait a second, it's not the same deal anymore. They changed the game. The conversation really shifted around it as well. I just don't feel like I had heard any conversation about, is college really worth right. it while right. I was 
in high school or in college or even directly afterward. And also tuitions have gone up like astronomically since our parents were in college. So that's a big part of it too. I mean, I remember I was at a preschool mixer when I moved to the Bay Area and one of the like founders of Zappos was there. And he was talking about how he was not sure he, we're talking about three-year-olds, two-year-olds. He wasn't sure his kid needed to go to college. And even then, which was, I guess, whatever, 10 years ago, I was like, what? That seemed like a really radical take to me even 10 years ago. And now, now it doesn't. I also, I've had somewhat of this situation where I go home and like, I went to Costco with my parents and one of my former high school classmates was working at Costco. Little did I know the salaries at Costco are really good. You feel like you're in a different spot. You're still screwing around, having fun in college, and they're already fully working. They're adults, and you're still acting like a kid for the most part. To the cost of education point real quickly, so the average four-year college education can be 140000 and whereas a trade education is around thirty-five k, So it's a huge yeah. difference. But back to the earlier point, it seems like the fascination, right, Aaron? It's not just the degree. It's the entire experience. It was as if a decade ago... We all permissioned ourselves to have this four-year incubator experience, and the learning was not just the classes, but it was the classic liberal arts, green pastures, you're out under a tree reading a book and talking about John Locke or whatever it is, (laughs) right? And we had all permissioned ourselves to do this, and it's as if that the costs have caught up with all that, and the back to the social promise, the fact that not everything is okay. Things don't just dissolve away. The the pains of not having a high paying job and being able to pay the bills, they don't just dissolve away by getting a degree anymore. I hear what you're saying. And I was there. I mean, I was, you know, I was in theater and I'm writing poetry and trust me, I'm watching Cameron Crowe films. I'm doing the whole (laughs) thing. When I was in college, we had a huge increase in tuition halfway through my tenure. And so it was one of these things where you were like, do I give up two years and drop out or do I just eat those costs? I wouldn't doubt that these three guys, they may have had maybe a few tuition bumps throughout the course of their four-year degree. You had more colleges popping up because of this kind of rich marketplace and government grants and loans that you had the for-profit colleges. So it was sort of a a concoction and a soup of all these things happening. And folks like Jerry figured out a way. They came out smelling like roses because they stayed the course. Leah, you were saying people went to work. They're not watching Cameron Crowe films uh, on the college lawn during recruiting day. They're going to work every single day. Next thing you know, they're buying homes and all that stuff. The cost component and the opportunity component of the four-year college degree has changed. The doors that were being opened to you or that are open to you as a result of a four-year college degree, they're not as extensive. They're not as guaranteed. And that falls to the social promise part. We were told in the career centers that are not, it's not necessarily true. Parallel with that, what's happened, and this kind of gets into, I think, what we wanted to talk about today on the economic side, you have a whole new wave of jobs that are emergent arriving in the marketplace. They just happen not to be white collar knowledge professional jobs, right? These are, for the most part, the really two big industries that are driving these. And the first, in the case of, of Jerry himself, is the electrification wave. There is a a mammoth legislation in the form of the Inflation Reduction Act released last year. Upwards of of $370 billion are going towards jobs and processes and companies that are in new energy. And so when you think about what does that mean? Well, that's everything from solar panel installers to wind turbine technicians 
my understanding from Jerry from the, you know, the workplace story is that he was a electrician. He parlayed that into an interconnection services electrician, which is basically an electrician, a skilled trade job, who now is responsible for taking this energy that's coming from the solar panels and making sure it plugs into our grid properly. These are all trade jobs. And he had people working for him too. I mean, that was the room around the bar. People are like, Jerry's running the town. They're working for them. <laughs> He's running the town, right? Yeah. And so that's where the opportunity is arising now. It's arising in that sector and not the, the white collar knowledge professional sector. And it's shocking for many of us, right? I mean, even for someone like me who's an entrepreneur, I never really rely necessarily on the straightforward track of working for companies. And it is surprising to me to kind of see this come up story of sorts where these trade jobs have come back with a vengeance. When you're talking about like wind turbines and, and all of this stuff for, it's the blue collar worker. We were talking about being in high school. I'm sure there's people listening right now that kind of feel like Jerry. They finally are like, yeah, they're getting their just due. Because frankly, when you went to trade school or went to like the career center, I had counselors saying, don't do that. That's yeah. kind of if you don't have a career. Against the having a counselor career. was counseling against <laughs> <laughs> Is it fair to say to even go further just on that? If you drop out of high school, so basically if you choose to drop out of oh, high school, yeah. drop out of life, you're going to become a plumber. It was a punishment. It was like, this is the now lowest we're talking cast of the economy. Just, if you choose to quit on life, guess what? You become an electrician. Based on Jerry's story, they might have panned out pretty well. And there is a <laughs> shortage of plumbers right now, man. If you are a plumber, you are making bank. Hey, I just want to interrupt really quick. If you're enjoying this show, Please leave us a review and a five star rating. Just takes Aaron, Aaron, Aaron. Yeah. That's asking too much. It's asking. It, it's just much. a couple seconds. Yeah. Just a couple seconds. Literally two. It actually takes okay, less time than me saying this right now. Five star rating. Five, five star, star rating. rating. And listen, we couldn't do this without your support. Sincerely. All right, let's get back to it. I just had some electricians at the house, and I was like, you know what? This is like the nervous system. Yeah. This is like the veins and the heart of a house. And he's like, yeah, people don't understand. We are the heartbeat and the veins of every building, every house. We never get the credit. Well, so I think the two lessons there is like, don't fall prey to stigmas, right? Kind of pursue your passion or pursue what you want. The second thing is, yeah, timing. There's cycles to things. And I think it's interesting here to bring in from a perspective of timing, the idea of vocational schools and trade schools. I got interested as we talked about this episode, honestly, and just did a little research, like what's the history of a vocational school? Where does it come from? Unsurprisingly, vocational schools really started towards the end of World War I in this country, right during the rapid industrialization phase where there was a kind of a landmark legislation act. It was called the Smith-Hughes Act, popularly known as the National Vocational Act. And what it did is it poured a lot of money, a lot of funding towards a vocational training program. And it went as far as recognizing the fact that there was a real need for skilled labor because at that time, industrialization was happening. And now you see the rhyme and parallel with the times we are now and the need for electrification and semiconductors. But at the time, there was a real need for skilled labor. So this act was passed, which brought all sorts of federal funding to support vocational education in high schools, right? So at the high school level, they started bringing in programs to teach. And this is where, if you ever had a high school where they taught carpentry, this is where it came from. Or all these vocational guidance programs and trade classes started with this act. I think that's interesting to bring in here because... From a timing perspective, this happened at a time where this country was going through rapid industrialization. And now you look at the timing now, the timing now is we're going through rapid electrification. Semiconductors is one of these industries now where the government has also poured a lot of money. So the CHIPS Act has poured upwards of $60 billion in subsidies and tax breaks towards fabrication plants that are building these semiconductors. And when you look at this, 
these are predominantly trade jobs. I got interested. I looked into it. So you have clean room technicians. This is a trade job where these technicians operate in this pristine clean room environment because when these chips are made, you can't even have the human hair is a certain micron size. These chips have to be made in room where the biggest allowable particle is 75 times smaller than the human hair. So basically, you got to oh, be geez. really meticulous and anal if you're going to be a clean room technician. But you don't need a four-year college degree, right? Equipment technicians, they have quality control inspectors, process technicians. These are all trade jobs. And so from a timing perspective, where we are now in this country, it's opened up the well for these trade jobs. And a lot of these jobs do command six figures. And in some cases, if you have many years of experience, you work way up. You can go 150, 200K. So timing is important. Timing is definitely part of the component here too. Well, I think, and I don't know if this is part of the point that you were making, Matt. We very recently had solar panels installed. We've had a lot of solar panel people over doing the installation. And they're maybe not what you would typically imagine in your head when you mm. think of a blue collar right. worker. What is blue collar? What is white collar? What is it? It's a made up thing. Yeah. Yeah. The stigmatization. Like <laughs> We were reared in a generation where those professions were stigmatized. Let's be honest. And so even now it's hard for us to remove the trappings. And I think I can speak to this coming up in the Rust Belt right. and have a family from Cleveland. Most of my family, we were the exception, not the rule in the sense that my grandfather was the first white collar worker in his family. Right. And he was the one that kind of broke off from the family and didn't have the house in the Italian neighborhood and worked and changed the way he spoke. And he did all of that stuff. This is We've talked about this. Hmm. Because of that, I grew up in a suburban existence with this idea that I had the luxury. When I was thinking about going to college, it was just continuing the thing that my grandfather worked so hard to do. But here's the thing. The one piece of wisdom I always found in my family, blue-collar workers, they had a real clear sense of debt. Mm. They understood because of the jobs they had, because it was industrialized, because it was a set salary, they had to be very mindful about income-to-debt ratio. They knew what they couldn't do. They knew what they could do. And it was a long-term goal of getting a watch when you're 65 and saving money. I think the blind spot happens, and it happened to me, when you come up in a white-collar experience I didn't have an understanding of the real consequences of what college debt meant. That narrative that we've been talking about, I lapped that up like cereal. <laughs> I swallowed that without even thinking about right. it because I didn't understand what that was like. Many of my folks in my family did. They're like, hell no. I'm going to work at the sausage factory. I'm going to work for Uncle Louie. Right. Why? You think I'm going to take on $100,000 in debt? Are you crazy? Get out of here. Right. And I would always be like, you just, look, you don't understand. <laughs> you don't know about this, this is extra a, million you know, dollars listen, that I'm going to be making. <laughs> yeah, this is an investment. Right. See, this, these are long-term investments that work towards the future. But some of it is the nature of progress, right? We talked about this before, but there's a John Adams quote that always comes to mind. It's like, our grandfathers were soldiers, so our fathers could be farmers, so we could be artists, right? And so in hearing that quote is this idea of progress. Let's not date this to just being a career center phenomenon in the 80s and 90s. I think throughout history and human progress, the idea is intergenerationally, you like to see your family progress from this idea of working with your hands and having calluses to like the philosophies and the arts. And what's interesting now, there is a, a resurgence of jobs that's hand-based and labor-based. And so it competes with that a bit, right? It competes with what our picture is of traditional progress intergenerationally. And I think that's why it surprises a lot of us. If I were a college grad now, 
I'd be looking at these trends very, very closely. I'd also be looking at the AI trend very, very closely. Well, yeah. And whose jobs is going to outsource first, white collar or the solar panel installer? It probably also goes without saying, I feel like this is uniquely American as well. I mean, we obviously graduate with way more college debt than, say, Europeans do. My husband, when he went to high school, he went to a special high school for people who were on a college track. And some of his good friends from elementary, sort of middle school age, went, like one of his good friends went to basically a trade high school and then a trade school for running a restaurant because his parents owned a restaurant. He knew he was going to take over. And so he learned what we would probably also consider white collar skills, how to manage a business, but to run a restaurant in Europe. And I always thought like, is it 12 years old, way too young to decide what you're going to do with the rest of your life? Right. We've been trained, part of college is figuring out what you want to do, but maybe other people don't need right, but, but, $100,000 of debt to do that. Do you really figure out what you want to do? So like historically speaking, the way you did that as a laborer is you take on an apprenticeship and you would actually yes. work in the role that you were going to spend the rest of your life working in and then make the decision. Whereas this idea of just like doting around campus and <laughs> quoting John Locke and, you know, internships for me were actually like the equalizer. True. It was the one yeah. aspect of the four-year college kind of experience that actually gave me a taste of what I may do and helped inform what I wanted to do. Do you still think college is important? Will you encourage your children to go to university? It's a fair question. I'm still encouraging my kids to go to college, even with everything I know, the amount of debt. And maybe it's because it's so ingrained in me, but that is my honest answer. I'm now the conclusion that if they knew what they wanted to do and they were self-confident in the way where they've researched and bit went out, I would not be pushing them to go to four-year college. I'm not the parent who's adamant about the four-year college degree the way our parents may have been or many of our listeners' parents may have been. I'm approaching it more like maybe Jerry would approach it in the sense that it's all practical now for me. Yeah. I've been on the other side of that student debt. I'm on it now. Like I understand it is harsh. It can affect your ability to buy a home. Even a few thousand dollars of private debt that I didn't know was floating about there, I defaulted on one of my loans. And I mean this, I sound like accidentally, literally was an accident, but for seven years, I couldn't purchase a home. Now I'm much more practical. So like, yes, if a university education is the pathway to get one of my kids what they want, let's pursue it, like you said, Matt, with some knowledge and research. We're not going to base this on story. Right. We're not going to base this on a dream. You know, I would say you had that quote by John Adams, but then all of a sudden we're joking about it. It's like, right. okay, then they went to become artists and now we're making fun of them. It's like, wait a second. They did the thing that we were supposed to do. They followed that track. They're exploring different opportunities to be creatives or to do something different than just go to the factory. And now it's like, well, look, they're just walking around campus. It's like the country has to come to an understanding of what it wants. Do we value the four-year experience for a certain population that chooses to do so or tests in? And if so, they should put dollars behind it to make sure that then we're not destroying people on the predatory side of those loans. I think though, if you look at the last several decades, it's gotten too fat. I think there's far too many individuals who've signed up for that who would have done far better not. And I think that's what's going to revert. If you're an entry-level knowledge professional, that's the job that most likely to be outsourced in the soonest time frame by AI. The writing's on the wall. And so 
If that's the case, then what you do get, and we're already seeing this in the data, you're going to get more trade jobs, more opportunities there are going to arise. And I think if you go to the four-year college experience, what you're going to be enlisting there for is really a boot camp of sorts for your brain. I know I'm not going to learn anything specific that's going to allow me to just to plug in and contribute to the economy, but where I'm interacting with an AI, possibly, <laughs> to architect a solution, I have some of that creative sensibility, some of that liberal arts background. And arguably, that's what the four-year liberal arts degree was supposed to be all along. There's a, a program now in California, and I don't know a ton about it, but the first two years of community college are free, which is amazing. Right. That's a, sort of like a hybrid between the two of trade school and four-year. You can kind of decide what you want to do, or you can go into one of the trade programs. I think Kentucky has a similar program to that. You know, you talk about loans, federal Stafford loans, you can actually be applied to trade schools as well. And 529s, I think, as well, if your parents have saved for you to go to college, but you decide to you can use that money for a trade program. Can I maybe project a question to the future of work? Those three friends, are they going to have their day in the sun? Yeah, whether you're Jerry or the three friends there, the one thing I've learned in my career, one constant of being a business operator is the variable of surprise. Like just around the corner is success or demise. From that aspect, timing, you're resilient for long enough, the macro conditions change, and all of a sudden, boom, you're yeah, Jerry. He showed that resilience. I would say that probably applies to his three friends as well, right? I think this is the one thing that's hard to get around and where the story doesn't add up for the college stuff. That amount of debt, regardless. Yeah. I mean, I remember Obama, when he went into office, they were still paying student debt. The guy's president, and he's in his 40s. Right. So much of our shows either devolves or progresses, depends on your point of view, to, to the point of debt, right? Like that's obviously a big issue with our listeners. And, and I think that's important, particularly when you live in a country, of course, that's sitting on $35 trillion in debt. And, and you could argue doesn't care. And so the fact that you have people in the stories that we cover commonly saddled with debt, but they actually care to get out of it, I think that's reassuring to a degree. The worst case we can find ourselves in is we have another story with a different Jerry or a different friends who just like, well, yeah, I'm too bad, but I don't really care anymore. I think that would be the worst case scenario for this country if we all just stop caring. And maybe just as a final call out for those listeners who are interested, there are plenty of places where you can go and just look, look at the trade jobs available, and particularly these two emergent sectors, right? Semiconductors and clean energy. There's some really fascinating jobs that all you need is a trade school or apprenticeship to get into that pay really well that are emergent right now. Hey, you made it. Thanks for tuning into The Lonely Office. If you like what you heard, follow us on all major podcast platforms so you don't miss an episode and make sure and tap five stars and leave a review. I know everyone says it, but it actually helps others like you discover the show. Remember, the topics you hear us talk about on the show are sourced from Glassdoor communities where professionals are having candid conversations about their careers anonymously with others in their industry. To be part of that conversation, download the Glassdoor app. And when you're in the app, make sure and join the Lonely Office Bowl. That's where we are. When you're there, you can suggest a topic idea or an episode idea, or you can make it more formal and email us at thelonelyoffice at glassdoor.com. We'll catch you next time. 